Welcome to Talking Junk, the podcast that thinks it can make holy water by boiling the hell out of regular water. My name is Jason Melendez. Thank you guys for tuning in. We got a wonderful guest for you today. Her name is Bunny Young. But before we get there, we got a little bit of merch for you guys. Head on over to shop.spreadshirt.com slash Talking Junk Merchandise and get you a Talking Junk shirt or maybe a Talking Junk hat. Hell, get them both and buy the shoes to match. You'll look amazing in the Talking Junk merchandise. We have everything from shirts to hats to face masks. You know, you got to keep the COVID out. We got everything. Throw pillows, mugs. Go ahead and buy your merchandise now. Go look and feel like a junker. We also want to thank the sponsors that we have already. And we're looking for more sponsors because sponsors like you are what keeps us going. So if you feel like you can give to us on a monthly basis, go ahead and head to anchor.fm slash talking junk slash support. And if you can't, we understand it's a tough time. If you can't open your wallets, then please just go open your eardrums and listen to our podcast. All our episodes are in the archives on Spotify, Apple Pod, Google Pod, or wherever the hell you listen to your podcasts. Now, like I said, we got a great guest for you today. Her name is Bunny Young. Bunny Young is a stunt woman turned businesswoman. After being diagnosed with a heart condition at an early age and depending on service dogs for a higher quality of life, Bunny focused on using each day to fully deliver on purposes within the world. Bunny founded her company, A Better Place Consulting, to empower and educate businesses and organizations about the impact of work-life alignment. Bunny enjoys breaking the codependency found between professionals and their companies. Bunny also enjoys teaching burnout prevention to law enforcement, military, and correctional officers. She's a third-generation entrepreneur, an inspirational speaker, retired therapist, surfer, army wife, and cowgirl. She also speaks four languages. Despite running five companies currently, Bunny is still most proud of her incredible family of two amazing daughters and her supportive husband, who is also a stuntman. So again, thank you for listening in. Enjoy this interview. We're going to get right into it. But don't forget to go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash talking dash junk dash merchandise. So you can not only feel like a junker, but look like one. Without further ado, Bunny Young on Talking Junk. Yay! You heard that? Well, obviously, because if not, you wouldn't be hearing this. But if you are hearing me right now, this could be your voice advertising your business. Or I could even be the voice promoting your business, because you know I sound good. But seriously, email me at talkingjunkthepodcast at gmail.com and let your business ring in the ears of our listeners from around the world. Low funds? No problem. We could work with any budget. So what are you waiting for? Email me now. What do you got to lose? My name is Jason Melendez. I'm sitting here today with Bunny Young. How are you doing today, Bunny? I am doing stupendous. Thank you for asking. Well, thank you for being on. We're, we're glad to have you on. Now, uh, I read somewhere that you were a stunt woman. <laughs> you probably read everywhere that I was a stunt woman. Yes, I, I was a stunt woman. I'm a retired stunt woman. So were you in anything that we may have seen? 
No, uh, it was a live action stunt show, but my husband's also a stuntman and his uh, team members have been in, I, I, the, your listeners can't see, but I can see the Iron Man and Marvel stuff behind you. Um, and so they were in Wonder Woman and um, the Black Panther. She was one of the guards, um, and her name's Maria. And then our friend um, Andrea works in Chicago as a stunt woman. And then Aiden was also in the the films as well, so doing some stunts. So yeah, our whole stunt posse graduated from um, you know live action stunt shows at amusement parks to the big screen. Except for me, I, I took the entrepreneur route. Uh- now it says that you were diagnosed with a heart condition. Um, was that why you initially stopped being a stunt woman? No, I think probably that's why I became a stunt woman. <laughs> okay, <laughs> quite the opposite then. Yeah, you know, you're given this this diagnosis and you're told you have one life to live. What do you want to do with it? And I didn't want to live like a porcelain doll on a shelf. I wanted to live life to the fullest. And I figured I took out all the rental insurance on this bad boy, so I might as well turn an indented and on fire smoking a little bit and say one that was one hell of a ride rather than just uh being super cautious not to say that i'm not i have kids now and so i'm a little bit more cautious but um high falls and fire burns and face first repels were a lot of fun uh in those days hindsight being 2020 it was well worth it well worth it to still have the skills to shoot my husband and hit him with a car and kick him in the crotch when I'm frustrated with him and have him survive it. That, those were skills that have definitely proved uh, for a very amazing marriage. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's thankful, too, that he doesn't lose his life. <laughs> <laughs> No, he's a professional. I'll tell all of your listeners that they, everybody I just mentioned uh, are highly trained professionals when we do this. So a better place consulting. Yes, sir. How did you come up with that? I believe uh, if your listeners aren't familiar with the term meliorism, so uh, meliorism is the belief that the world can be made better through human effort, and so I decided that I am somewhat of a meliorist, and I decided that uh, I do believe that we can make the world a better place, and I believe that we can do that through fulfilling our purpose. And um, as you and I were talking a little bit offline, you know, making sure that you're having fun, enjoying the ride, and you're living life to the fullest within your purpose. I just texted somebody who um, said, you know, you're so brave. And I said, I'm just using the gifts that I was given um, at the, you know, times and opportunities that I'm allowed for as long as um, is will to do so. That's really all I'm doing. I'm not, I'm not special. Uh, I just have a little bit more um, tolerance to risk and believe that I'd rather live my life to the fullest than have any regrets. So how did you wind up finding your purpose? A lot of trial and error. So I went to school to be a therapist. I came home from China after doing uh, stunts and came home, decided I was going to be a therapist. We decided that I was going to you know, help people. 
um, in that way. I knew that I wanted to make a difference and decided that I couldn't stand sitting on a couch for an hour listening to somebody complain. Um, and that was, for me, that, that's for a lot of people, and I have mad respect for them, but for me, I just wanted to see people take action. I mean, I guess it was the stunt woman in me. I wanted to see immediate action and results, and uh, so my supervisor at the time was married to um, a brain surgeon, of all things, that loved uh, horses and wanted to do more therapeutic research with horses, so I ended up uh, doing equine assisted learning and therapy and that took me into the corporate world of organizational psychology and coming from being a third generation entrepreneur uh, and knowing that a lot of people have a lot of stress and go to therapy because they hate their jobs and they hate their lives I was like let's fix this let's fix this with the companies and let's fix this with the world and so that's that's how I ended up just kind of going through the next open door and uh, I remember the day that my uh, Dr. Hamilton's his name you know we were talking about doing equine assisted learning instead of therapy and I said well I'm, I'm not a not a business consultant I'm a therapist and he said can you create positive space for uh, transformational change and the answer is yes I went to school for that and I can create space for people to make meaningful change and I can do that in companies. It doesn't necessarily have to be on a couch as a therapist. So you can do it both for a group in a work setting, and you can also do it for individuals also. Yes, and to be clear, I'm no longer a therapist. I have my license, but I don't practice as a therapist. Um, I go into companies and I bring therapeutic lessons and, and tools to change human behavior and mindset and that's how we accomplish therapeutic outcomes so basically you know you can go running and have a therapeutic outcome it doesn't necessarily mean that you know if the doctor prescribed you running but we bring in these tools that worked um, for behavior mindset uh, emotional wellness and well-being and apply them in the workplace and apply them for entrepreneurs too I mean how stressful is it to start your own company how stressful is it to be in a nine-to-five and starting a side hustle and then have a family and right now have all of that jammed under one roof and so you know we're Just here the story of my life buddy <laughs> but we're here for that too we're here to help people align their work and their life and to understand that um, in order, you and I have probably both sat on a teeter-totter, in order for one to be up, the other has to be down and um, that's the same thing for marriage, it's the same thing for work, it's the same thing for parenting and so there's really, on a teeter-totter there's no perfect balance, we're, we're always looking for this alignment and so that's where we want to change our perspective from instead of you know how can I have 50 hours of work and 50 hours of family and 50 hours for myself and putting ourselves last realize that we're the most valuable resource that you know we have whether we own our own company or whether we have a job we're the most valuable resource you cannot replace you and so if you burn out then you can't be dad, you can't be mom, you can't be husband, you can't be wife, you can't be anything. And so your first and for your first and most important job description is being you.
and a lot of people don't know who that is. A lot of people don't know. A lot of people are still finding themselves later on in, in old age. But you yourself are no stranger to burning out. You have two daughters and you run four companies. Five. Five companies. Yeah. So yeah. you're pretty busy. I'm not pretty busy. I own five companies. I should have said I own five companies. I don't run any of them. Okay. Um, so that's really when uh, we had this incident as a family where we got stuck in a, a hurricane and my husband had told me that was the first we had my laptop battery and that was it no power no water nothing and we were in this hurricane and um, we watched a Disney movie and the laptop died my husband said that's the first time you sat there for 90 minutes without checking your phone or emailing a client or you know being distracted by having to get up and do laundry that's the first time you've actually sat from start to finish through a 90-minute movie that I can remember. And I thought about that, and I took it to heart. And after we got out of the hurricane and got out of the Dominican Republic, I said, you know, I'm not going to have my companies run me. I'm going to run them. Um, and then when I had my second daughter, I said, here's the life that I want. Here's how many hours I have a week to give to myself to my family and then the company gets what's rest what's left and too many times we do it backwards we we say okay we're going to give the company 40 hours which ends up being closer to 80 and then we come home and we feel obligated to do x y and z but we're so exhausted with the family that we're not giving them our best time and then we have nothing left for us so um i have an incredible team my grandfather who's the first entrepreneur really to influence my life uh so what did he do he told me to hire people smaller smarter than me well what what did he do uh early on as an entrepreneur so his first entrepreneur venture, and if you're an entrepreneur listening to this, you'll know what a horrible idea this is. It was a restaurant. And he went broke, uh, moved in with his brother-in-law and sister-in-law, and then got a loan from his brother-in-law, probably just because his brother-in-law wanted him out of the house with the four kids, the cats, the dog. Uh, and he started a trucking and logistics company, and that was in... I believe the late 60s, early 70s, and it's still going today, run by his sons, my uncles. I'm very, very, very proud of them. And uh, that's the advice that, that he told me was to hire people that are smarter than him and smarter than me. And that's what I do. My whole team, I could not do this without them, and they know how much I love them. So how did you come from being a stunt woman to owning five companies? Mm -hmm. That's a really great, great question because the only thing that I was determined to not be when I was growing up was an entrepreneur. Um, so it really, I have to say it happened to me uh, because as a therapist, some of your listeners may know there's a lot of different ways to be a therapist, but uh, one of the best ways to provide a living is in private practice and when you're in private practice you have to build a practice you have to go out and get clients you have to run your own company in addition to doing the therapy and so I ended up being this quasi entrepreneur without even wanting to do it and then when I got interested in the equine therapy then I had to go out and sell people on equine therapy and equine learning and these experiences because this was in the early 2000s it wasn't as hot as it is now 
And so the funny thing was is that I found I was so much more successful at getting people excited about the equine learning for their teams than I was uh, about anything else. And it's because I was passionate about it. And so that's I, I think. think I think for your listeners, that's one of the best lessons I can give is if you tell yourself that you don't like sales, the whole world is sales. I've got a three-year-old. I have to sell her on putting pants on every single day. And um, don't we all. Like, hey, you know what? Sometimes I have to be sold on putting pants on. So <laughs> I think they're overrated. But And you go to the store and you're surrounded by brands that are trying to sell you and you have to sell your kids on eating their vegetables. You have to sell your, you know, wife on why you should be able to go play D&D with imaginary creatures and friends and you're 30-something years old playing imaginary games. Um, (laughs) I'm not bitter at all. And, you know, so that's one of the things I'd love for your listeners to get out of this is that the whole world is sales. And so if you can look at it as sharing something that you're passionate with that's going to provide value into the world, remember that money is a made-up thing. We literally print it. And so if you can share value and you can be passionate about something, then that's where the real value is going to be returned to you. So, yes, I can tell you that I make more money today than I've ever made in my life, even though I don't run all of these companies. But I also focus 100% of my time that I'm not with my you know, family or doing my own self-care on my highest value that I bring to this world and things that I'm most passionate about, like sharing that. That's why I'm on this podcast. And so when it, it doesn't, it's not easy, but it's simple. It's really simple. And it takes a lot of discipline. And I think coming from being a military family as well, um, that helped a lot. But at the end of the day, I wanted to be there in the morning to be the first people that first person that my kids saw when they got out of bed. And I want to be the last person that they see when they go to bed at night. And in order to design that lifestyle, that takes a lot of discipline and it takes a lot of motivation. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing in the world that I won't do for those girls. I bet because there's nothing that I wouldn't do for my three. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're good at two. We've got two humans and five Great Danes, so uh, I think we're okay. Yeah, it's it's my three little monsters, and then I got a little uh, Cocker Spaniel Yorkie mix. Yes, yes. So we're we're pretty stacked also. Yeah. So those two dogs, those are your service animals. I have one service animal, and then um, we rescued his brother, and then we ended up with uh, three other rescues. So they're all kind of foster failures in the aspect that we were supposed to foster them and just never found them a foster home. Or maybe we did find them a foster home, but it was with me. Um, And the Great Danes live a very spoiled life. I bought the house next door to our house because um, my dad's dog didn't get along with my dog, and we had to end up figuring out how to separate them so the joke in the family is that I bought the dog the house 
<laughs> so I'm pretty sure the dog is very grateful. I think I think he's grateful, and I it's a dream come true for my grand or for my daughters to have their grandparents right next door. That's it's literally through the woods to grandmother's house. But again, like I said, it was all by design. Like I I get up in the morning, and if I have a podcast to record, or if I'm doing a client session, or if I'm speaking with a team on burnout prevention, then they can run up the trail to my mom's house and then they can be home for lunch and have lunch with me and oftentimes you know you can see them in the background and they know what mom's doing and they're very involved in what mom's doing and so it's not it's not work if you ask my daughter what I do for work she'll tell you that I throw starfish or that I save the world she doesn't see it as work she sees it as making a difference and I think that that's really important so that she always knows that you know, she doesn't come second to my work ever. That there's times when I'm sharing about making a difference with people like those of you that are listening right now. And there are times, and all of the time, that's to make the world a better place for her. Because I want her to grow up in a world that's better than the world that I'm in. And that doesn't mean that the world that I'm in is, is horrible or bad. But, you know, if anybody says that we don't have room for improvement um i would beg to differ very much because we can always change a little yes just a little yes a little goes a long way i hear that's the only constant that taxes and death <laughs> well if we could uh, avoid one of those it would be taxes <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think the the uh, death one would be nice to not have to deal with for a little while at least. Coming from one, coming from somebody with a heart condition, I'll take taxes. Well, I, I can understand that, but nobody wants to live forever. No, no. Um, but but in your case, yes, yes, I, I would take the same. See, but that goes back to purpose. Um, even with my own grandmother. You know, her will to live kind of um, drain away. And her purpose, you know, she, she had an amazing life. She was an incredible model. And she was loved so much by her husband, my grandfather. And when he passed away in 2010, you could literally see her purpose start to fade away. And with her purpose fading away, her physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental self also began to fade away and there's so many stories that you can look at of individuals who I mean they literally have a name for it it's called broken heart syndrome where somebody will have their loved one pass away and the very next day you know they pass away I it was um my husband will either be very proud of me or disappointed in me because I think I can come up with this but Carrie Fisher who was Princess Leia so she passed away and then the next day her mom passed away and so you know that's that's an example of a broken heart syndrome you know how do you they're decades apart they they didn't have underlying conditions as far as you know indicating that they were that close to death and all of a sudden you know your daughter passes away and what I'm not saying there was nothing left that she could have accomplished in this world, but I think that she 
found a way to say, I think I'm fulfilled. I'm, I'm done. My purpose here is, is done. See, my, my wife and I, we lost our child, uh, our son, and she likes to joke all the time. She did a little bit of research, and there's a, a seven-year span. So she tells me all the time, if you don't deal with it, you have, what, what is it, 10 years? 10-year yeah. span. She said, you have three more years to deal with what you're dealing with, or I'm going to have to deal with a whole lot. Mm. Wow. Thank you for sharing that with me. And that's, you know, I, I am blessed. I know I'm extremely blessed to have my, my two. My second I had after cervical cancer, which is pretty much a miracle. Um, but we lost six. We had six miscarriages. Wow. That's, that's the closest I can come to empathizing with you. And somebody had taken my hands, a nurse had taken my hands and shared with me that um, sometimes our children are just so special that they need to be promoted before they have, you know, any time with us. Um, and I try to think about that and I try to hold on to that because as a mom, um, I can tell you there's a lot of times I feel like a failure as a mom because, you know, first off, I've, I've lost six kids. And um, secondly... It wasn't your fault, though. You know, it's, it's difficult, and it's... For my husband to understand, it's difficult because I, I had the life in me, right? You know, and so I felt this life. Um and then the, sound like my wife yeah and so the other the other part of it is that um i worked in social services before i went into private practice as a therapist and so here i had over almost 500 children that i had this positive impact on their life and there are times with my three-year-old my nine-year-old where i'm like I've raised almost 500 kids and I have no idea what the F I'm doing with these two. Like, I'm going to fail these two, but give me, like, any kids, you know, out of the social service system. So, you know, it's, it's perspective. Uh, I just wake up, I put my hand on my chest, and as long as um, that ticker is still going, I know that I have a purpose and I am at peace with the, the aspect that... Um, I'm going to fulfill that purpose. I'm here for a reason and that someday I will be able to be with my kiddos again um, and that I'm praying and hoping that uh, they're going to be a little more calm and peaceful than my three-year-old. Well, there's a lot of people um, now dealing with the burnout of, well, that's, let me, let me start here. That's where some of the burnout starts is when you start losing people next to you, your loved ones, you start to feel run down. And especially now with the COVID-19 happening and people not even be, being able to see their loved ones when they die, it, how, how would you um, tell us to start coming out of the burnout? So first is self-awareness. Right. So the first step there is going to be self-awareness and remember that that burnout, um, similar to grief, is a cyclical process. So I can't tell you that there's step one, step two, step five. Um, you can Google them and, and they're there. But at the same time, you're going to you could go from step four back to step two, back to step five. 
And so you're going to go from hero syndrome um, to all the way down to, you know, feeling like a complete and total loss of, of control, like nothing you do matters and like you're not making a difference. And I want you to hear me when uh, I tell you that you are making a difference and that that loss of control if you can turn your mindset, you can turn your perspective, you can turn your focus. Imagine a Venn diagram, right? With one circle on what impacts you and the other circle on things you can control and focus on that magical little eye in the center, the little lips, um, where those two things overlap of things that impact you and things that you can control. And even if it's as simple as just putting on a pair of earrings that morning, or something as simple as taking a five minute walk. I can't control COVID-19. You can't control COVID-19. And we are more at risk today of a global mental health pandemic than we are of COVID-19. And that's from everything from compassion fatigue and anxiety to there's something called email fatigue we're even experiencing virtual conferencing fatigue where people just feel like they will never have a disconnect and now it's entered into our homes where even where we used to have this kind of respite we don't have that anymore because even if we have a um essential position like law enforcement or my husband's in military and he leaves the home and he comes home my daughter is learning virtually and so we've got to get on the computer. And so it's, it's the feeling of constantly being connected. So if I could tell you how to, I guarantee if you're listening to this, you're experiencing some kind of burnout to your point. And so find a place to unplug, completely unplug, and just take a couple deep breaths, come back to your senses, similar to if you were going through a post-traumatic stress uh, event. I would want you to smell what you're smelling, uh, feel what you're feeling, feel the sun on your face. And then after that, identify what it is that you need physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and fill that cup because you can't fill from an empty cup. And I know so many people who are just trying to power through it. I, I had a military conversation with a team this morning and they're like, well, we'll just power through it right now. You know, we're, we're on, um, you know, they, they have a, a term for it, it with being on orders and in wartime. And I get that, that's great, but you're going to end up to your wife's point. You're gonna end up feeling the effects later. And so it goes a little bit, goes a long way. If you can do it every day, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Burnout prevention is the same thing as physical exercise. The more that you do it, the more that you build up that resiliency and the more that you end up being able to take on. And so if you're a true believer that it is all on your shoulders to save the world, then the best thing that you can do is to build out as build up as much resiliency, as much mental health, as much spiritual health, emotional health, and physical health as you can so that you can take on the world. So I guess that is the long version of that. <laughs> Cheers to that. So uh, 
how did you get the courage through all of this to even start your first company? Uh, courage is a really interesting word for that. I was told by my accountant that I had to create an LLC not only to protect me, but also to um, take some expenses uh, such as mileage and my phone and all of that. So I can't say that I intentionally, well, all right. So intentionally, my first company was called Canyon Swim. And uh, I was in Tucson, Arizona. I was working for somebody. I had a really poor experience working for them. And I thought, I can do this better. And so the courage came from my mom in the aspect that I knew that she could help me set up my own company because she had just sold her company. And I just was passionate about delivering a higher quality of service. Now, I'm really not that passionate about teaching swim lessons, lifeguarding, and um, teaching lifeguards how to become lifeguards, but I was passionate about delivering something better into this world. And so that's really the question is what are you passionate about? where if you woke up tomorrow and Bunny had waved a magic wand and this thing was fulfilled, you wouldn't have to get out of bed. And so if I woke up tomorrow and the entire world was a better place, there was nothing, nothing that I could do, not a single thing that I could do to improve the world that my daughters live in, I could go back to bed. And so if my passion was lifeguarding and teaching lifeguards and teaching swim lessons and water safety instruction. And I woke up tomorrow and everyone in the world knew how to swim perfectly. Then I could go back to bed. So I think that the, it's a little less courage and a little more self-awareness in what your purpose is. Think about the parts of your job that you wish you never had to do again. And think about the parts of your job that you wish you could do all day long. And that's really what the difference is between a, a job and a purpose. Well, how, how would you initially find your purpose? Where do you start? Where do you look? Ask yourself those questions, you know? Like, so what, what are the parts of your job that you wish you could do all day long? Oh, me? I know, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Parts of my job I wish I could do all day long. Well, that would probably be working with the residents. Doing what? I'm not sure. I'm sure. I, I got my, my uh, human services certification. Okay. Um, early on, I worked in a couple group homes mm -hmm. briefly, mm -hmm. and I worked in um, a DCF after school program with some at-risk teens. So I think probably just uh, talking to them, being there with them, probably counseling. And what would you counsel them on? What would you talk to them about? Just themselves. Trying to get them to be out of their shell, get them to be themselves. Because when they're there, they're not themselves. Okay. They're, they're there because something's happening. A lot of them don't even understand why they're, why, they're, why they're there. It's a lot of underlying conditions. Maybe a family member can't take care of that. And they don't understand that. So then they start to lose themselves. 
and it's it's just good to bring a smile to their face. So when you ask them these questions and you help them discover themselves and they bring the smile to their face, how do you make that last? You just give it to them every day. There's really no way to make it last, especially with some of them. Um, they'll, they'll forget it. But as long as you can keep giving that to them on a constant basis, maybe it's every time you see that person walking down the hall, you do a little dance and you make them laugh or you uh, sit down with somebody sitting in the same bench area every day. You sit down with them for five minutes, you, you laugh, you have a conversation and you move on. You give them that constant. So here, so here's what I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine that you could take this information and you could have a million people who are in nursing homes that have jobs similar to you or have contact with individuals similar to the individuals that you have contact with and you could teach them how to bring that smile out every single day for every single person. How would you feel? I'd feel pretty good. So that's what a purpose feels like. And it's, that's why I started this podcast. Yes. So so if you could get people in Switzerland, in Germany, in Australia, and you could say, here's my, because I fully believe that you have your process, your way of doing things that only you can do in order to achieve the, the outcome. And so teaching other practitioners how to bring out that story, bring out that life, remind that person for however many fleeting moments it is that they have a story, a purpose, a, a meaning, and that they're important and that they're happy and give them that gift. And if you could teach thousands, hundreds of thousands of practitioners on how to do that and be the happiness guru, the, the nursing home um, practitioner happiness guru, like that, you, I can see your smile, you know, in your eyes, even though I can't see your face. So, you know, and, and I know the listeners, if you shared that, would be able to hear your smile in what you talked about. And you would want to hop out of bed every single day so that you could impact those lives. I would. Now, how would somebody else that really doesn't know where to start? See, I, I had maybe just a little bit of, of uh, things to go off of. How would somebody just starting off nine to five hate what they're doing, has always hated what they're doing, but they don't really know what they're good at? How would they be able to find their purpose? So, like I said, you know, I wish that it was a magic wand that I could tell you what formula would be um, to find your purpose. Unfortunately, unfortunately, life gives you this amazing thing called experience. And, you know, take my story, for example. You know, I started as a tri-sport athlete, a Division One athlete, went to college, then moved to China and was a stunt woman and a model and then came home and was a therapist. I mean, do you really think at any point I was like, hmm, I totally know what my purpose is. 
it took a lot of trial and error, but the question is, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What excites you? What is your gift that only you can accomplish on this earth? And how can you share it with as many people as possible? Because I know so many people who do know what their purpose is. I see people, you know, I've encountered young men on the street drumming on um, upside down buckets that are some of the most incredible drummers that I have ever seen in my life. And I used to be a drummer. And so I, I can recognize this. And they're out there making no money, but they're loving life and loving what they're doing. And so, you know, being able to also, I lived in Ecuador for a little bit and watching farmers who every day would just go and trade vegetables and whatever they grew for whatever their family needed. And it never occurred to them that there was life outside of farming. They were just happy fulfilling their family tradition and being able to come back and sit down with their family and and have a meal. So when you you ask about the purpose, sometimes people think that a purpose is something bigger and better. I don't know if you've heard about the the story of the fisherman who the um, uh, CEO comes or the executive comes and sees this guy on a, a beach and he's fishing and he's like oh you know what like how many fish do you catch a day and we could buy you a bigger boat and you could get more fish and they they keep going bigger and bigger until they have this whole fishing manufacturing plant and all of this kind of stuff um and finally the fisherman goes why are we doing all of this and and executive says well so that we can retire and just sit on the beach and spend time with your family and the fisherman says i had all of that with my small little boat and my fish So, you know, that's really what you have to look at is be very careful that the world is not telling you what your purpose is. Uh, I know plenty of people who are extremely happy doing things that maybe the world would not consider meaningful. Maybe the world would not consider glamorous but they are perfectly fulfilled doing it. If you've ever picked up a phone call and somebody in a call center, you would probably imagine that those people are not happy. And I have had some of the most delightful conversations with people who are basically the nursing home smile practitioners of call centers. They're there just to make sure that that experience is positive and there's no survey at the end of the call. They just want to make you smile and make that experience as positive. So continue to ask yourself what you do that makes you happy and that makes a difference and that fulfills you because happiness and fulfillment are two separate things. So is it safe to say starting to find your purpose is betting on yourself? Absolutely. It's a game of self-awareness and it's a game of open-mindedness. So I go to you and I say, what am I good at? You know, what, what do you think lights me up? What do you think? And I've done this with my friends, with my family. This is what I do with my clients because, you know, our company started in corporations and working with Fortune 500 companies. I'll be the first one to say, and everybody knows this, I'm not a huge fan of working with the Fortune 500 teams. I like working with small entrepreneurs like my parents and my grandparents. That's what lights me up. And so we have consultants that work with the Fortune 500 companies that that's what lights them up. And I work with the 
smaller entrepreneurs. I actually make the least amount of money in the entire company as far as revenue goes because I'm working with entrepreneurs and they're working with Fortune 500 companies. But you know what? I'm happy and I'm fulfilled. And I feel like if I went and worked with a Fortune 500 company or team for a couple years, I would not add as much value as an individual who that is what their purpose is. And that's what they feel fulfilled doing is working within the Fortune 500 companies and those teams. Now, I love going and telling Fortune 500 companies about work-life alignment and purpose. That makes me fulfilled. But the, the long-term contracts of did you do your homework and all of the business consulting stuff, that doesn't, it doesn't uh, make me hop out of bed in the morning. So two books and a TED Talk. Mm-hmm. You put on pause to give our listeners a little bit of insight. Yes. A little bit of insight in your life to get the uh, chance to do what we want to do. You gave us a lot of courage to get up, get off our asses, balance our work, our dreams, our family. Is there anything else that you would like to tell us uh, in closing? Where can we find your stuff? Yeah, I think I'm going to leave you with with one um, story and then I'll definitely um, give you guys a a place to come and find me. And um, so when I was a therapist, I remember telling my supervisor when I was getting burnout that I did not want to go to work that day and being told that if I didn't go to work that day, that somebody's marriage would get worse, that somebody's depression would get worse, that somebody's relationship with their child would get worse. And I don't know that that was the absolute best advice to send somebody who was burning out back into the office, but something stuck with me in the aspect that any of you who have seen the Lorax, um, the quote from the Lorax, which is my absolute favorite, and I have a tattoo of it, is unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing will ever get better. It's not. And so, you know, being able to know that you, as long as you have that beat in your chest, that you have a purpose and you're here for a reason and go and fulfill that, please do as the Lorax says and get up, get out of bed and go fulfill that purpose. And where you can find me, um, you can direct message me and leave me a, a voice note on Instagram. It's bunny has six legs because uh, I have a service dog or bunnyyoung.com. And when you talk about burnout, there's an ebook there called uh, How to Stay Sane During Insane Times. And it's not just for COVID, but it's for any times in life. And it's absolutely free. It's something that I want you to have in your hands as soon as as possible and it has videos and it has exercises you can do it with the whole family you can do it with your whole team so please download that for your companies for your teams for yourselves and connect with me on instagram and i would love to know how you are going to be a meliorist make a difference and fulfill your purpose well thank you again for coming on we appreciate your time. We know you're a busy woman. We, we look forward to those two books, and we really want to see that TED Talk. Absolutely. Stay safe and stay sane, everybody. Thank you, guys. Have a great night.